Hello, I wanted to introduce myself. I'm Kyle from Can We Be Frank with Frank and Kyle. And I have had a, God has put it on my heart to interview veterans and let them tell their story about their life because they are so important, not only to us as individuals, but to our country and to the world. And so I'm going to start off with a, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I've got a personal friend, family member, uh, mentor, um, just overall positive influence in my life that uh, um, is one of the, uh, well, one, he's a good storyteller, and two, he's got some really good stories. <laughs> so um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Jim Smith, and he is uh, my... I don't know what you would say. Is it cousin, cousin-in-law? Uh, am I your nephew-in-law? I don't know. <laughs> Either the, one. I don't know what it is. We're family. That's just yeah, the way we're we treat family. each other. Um, but what I wanted to do today was, Jim, I, I first wanted to introduce not only this um, series of podcasts, but I wanted to open up with someone special about this because you're family, so it's going to be easier for me, right? But it's Great. also... Um, I'd like to know a little bit more about what made you who you are today because you're an awesome, awesome family member. So I know you had some good upbringing. Uh, why don't we start there? How did you get your life started and what was it like? Well, my life started in Laverne, Oklahoma, three miles west at a little ranch. And uh, grandfather lived, oh, about a quarter mile three-eighths of a mile from the from us and so he was a big role, role model in my life uh he was uh actually uh, he had a law degree he only done uh legal work there at the ranch he just he did abstract work and when i was little i used to have to gather chicken feathers for him he Dip, he used them for a dip pen, and he only wrote with English script. And so I thought it was kind of scribbling, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was a big influence in the younger part of my life, and uh, he taught me the gift of riding horses that was taught to people, and the people learned in the real early days of horse horsemanship and he didn't use any type type of pain any type of uh jerking or kicking or anything he taught them to respond just like you walked and so you made the same motions of walking while you was riding the horse and they'd they'd learn to respond to you just like your legs do Kind of like and, a symbiotic relationship. They just kind of are going right with you. They just, that's uh, that's interesting. We did a little exercise before this conversation, and I uh, I was reluctant, as I probably most horses might be in the beginning, but once they trust and know that you're going to be uh, uh, there with them as a partner, that's, uh, I understand that. And that's a great way to, uh, to approach that. Yeah. Well, Boot, that was my grandpa. Uh, anyway, he said, you know, if they can feel a fly land on their back, 
and just flip that little piece of skin, why would you need to hit them with anything? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that yeah. always stuck with me, you know, so, so, uh, so did you have, did you have like, what was it like growing up? Did you have a lot of chores you had to do to get up? Yeah, I would milk twice a day, and my chore was, uh, all the time I was probably still four, uh, I took a herd of cattle out and just had to stay with them all day. And what, Four years old? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, of course, I was riding all my life. As, you know, I don't remember learning to ride. No, you know, no more than I learned remember learning to walk you know mm -hmm. but i was riding a horse as long as i can remember and as long as i can remember i was taking a herd of cattle <laughs> you know so <laughs> that takes a lot of responsibility well it did I, th I felt pretty responsible you know and uh felt pretty big actually you know i thought it was pretty neat you know and looking back now you know that land was so open and so flat I could be a mile off, you know, and they could just step out on the porch and see that I was on, <laughs> see that I was on the horse. But I felt like I was out in the middle of the desert, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, and so uh, it was the longest days of my life, you know, sitting out there and uh, watching the cows and daydreaming, and I couldn't get off the horse, so I had to learn to adapt all my business over a horse, you know, and so. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a good life. You had a lot of thinking time and, uh, just there with nature and you really learn the importance of, a your partnership with your horse, you know, and the horse can respond to you just like you're walking or running, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and you know, you're not jerking or hitting or kicking and stuff like that, you know, and. It was way later in my life when I was exposed to that. Yeah. And, of course, everybody tried to tried to change me. And that was, oh, I start, we moved. I started the <clears throat> seventh grade in Winniewood, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And our neighbor, he raised bucking bulls. And so he found out that we had good, me and my brother had good cattle horses. And so he started wanting us to help him and so we'd work for him and uh with the bulls and stuff because the old longhorns that we was raised with was about as mean as those brimmers were <laughs> you know and so it wasn't a very big step to us and then so it wasn't just a little while he he was uh wanting me to go to the rodeos with him and so we'd take the horses and go to the rodeos and i'd I'd help out there. I'd haze cattle for the bulldoggers and pick up bronc riders and mm -hmm. things like that when I was thirteen. Wow! You know, and uh, so so you, you're, I'm hearing young ages of you doing a lot of things. Was your dad a big influence in how you developed as as your character? I was. Uh, dad farmed also, and his. Uh, preacher at the First Baptist Church of Laverne, and uh, so every time the doors over, they opened, needless to say, was the church. Yeah. Yes, you were. <laughs> you know, and so he was a huge man, and uh, he was very strict, 
you know, but he is very fair and honest, you know, and hardworking. And uh, you feel that's the characteristics you got from him? Well, I hope I got some, some of his good characteristics, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yes, his big, he was a big influence in me. Of course, I'm the youngest of 10 kids also. My dad was born in 1899 and my mother in 1907, you know, and so <clears throat> How my old was parents. The old, how, what's the separation between you and the oldest child? That's two years apart. Just about all of us. So twenty years. Yeah. Difference. Yeah. Wow. I have two nieces, and, uh, two nieces older than me, and one nephew a month younger than me. Wow. So we grew up as friends, you know, and mm -hmm. buddies, because there wasn't telephones or uh, televisions back then. So people, the kids all came home for. Weekends usually, you know, the, yeah. working away from home and stuff like that. And so I got to spend a lot of family time with my nieces and nephews and, and brothers and sisters, you know. And, and so it was a special time. It's a little slower time than probably today. Yeah. But there's a lot more family time and neighbors helped each other. I mean, we helped each other harvest the crops and we helped each other work the cattle and and stuff like that, and uh, usually when the men was doing that, the women was all together, and the little kids and stuff like that. And so it's kind of, it's kind of you stayed a, had a social bond between your neighbors, and things like that, which was really wonderful. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. our neighbors just well, it seemed like it was more like uncles. <laughs> you know, and when you, you say know. neighbors, neighbors in what state? Where were uh, you? This, this was still at the Panhandle. Panhandle of uh, yeah Laverne when I was growing up. Oh, okay, Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, time I got to uh, time I got to Winniewood, there's television, and uh, of course I was starting junior high, and so I was playing football and sports and stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. and uh, that was actually the first year schools was integrated, yep. you know, and and I hadn't seen very many uh, colored people. I'm not sure that I'd actually seen or been close to a colored person until I moved to Winniewood. And uh, I was going to school with them, and, and it was absolutely wonderful. You know, I mean, I'd slip up and say some old sayings sometimes and we'd get a little wrestling match or something, <laughs> you know. But uh, these days you get yourself in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like that then, but you know, you have littler fights when you're young, you know. Yeah, you know, we done a lot of scuffling and fighting, uh, you know. And, and it's funny what I fought most with it, we ended up dear friends, you know. And yeah, so as, as growing up, uh, how would you describe the responsibility? that you were given the the um uh, w how did that shape you how did you learn that that um uh, that responsibility and that ethic to move forward into the rest of your life well i always had to work uh we always had fence to build or hay to haul we milked twice a day by hand so we got whiz up and we had to have our chores and things done before breakfast time and time to get that all done before catch the school bus you know and then at night we had to milk and feed and do yeah. the chores there so uh we had a 
we stayed busy. I'll bet. You know, and so. Uh, it was 10 of you, though. Huh? It was 10 of you? No, there was just two of us then, time I moved to Winniewood. Oh, boy. You know, That's the rest of them. Uh, my, my youngest sister, she had, she was still going to college. And, uh, no, they were still coming back come for weekends, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, uh, basically, me and my brother Terry was the only one still at home at that particular time. So... So you had a, a pretty uh, uh, interesting childhood. You grew up pretty fast, four years old, having responsibilities, going all through. Sounds like you had a lot of change going on through high school and a and lot of heap of responsibility, ethics, all those things. What, what prompted you or how did you end up in the, in the military? Well, I got drafted. Oh, that's a good prompt. <laughs> I guess uh, they don't have that anymore. Maybe a lot of people don't know what that means. Well, I was uh, I was grafted. You you're given orders to show up and go into the military. Of course, I was 22 then or 21 then. And what year was that? Uh, that would be 67, I think it was. Okay. You know, early 67. And uh, you know, I felt I felt honored to go serve my country. Uh, I went to, went in at Oklahoma City and uh, was stationed at Fort Bliss for my base, basic training. And uh, that was a good experience, you know, and it was, I had a little advantage because most of the guys were 17 and 18 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, they didn't have some of the experience that I had, so it's probably a little easier on me than it was them. Well, I'd argue that at 17 and 18, you still would have had more experience than they did <laughs> yeah, going in. Yeah, so, probably so. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, uh, oh, I made some things that I, I do some things different. You know, knowing what I know now, uh, I turned OCS down, which I kind of regret doing. And, uh, of course, I was going to go to parachuting school when I graduated from basic training. And so I got there, and I think we spent two days, and they wasn't doing any jumping in Vietnam. So they sent me to Fort Polk to learn to repel out of helicopters. And so anyway, I took my AIT there at Fort Polk, and then I got a 30-day leave and finished that and I was off for Vietnam. Wow. You know. How'd that, how'd that feel when the, you were on the transport heading to where did you end up landing? Like where where did you come into Vietnam? What what I, city? Uh, see, I came in at uh, Cameron Bay mm-hmm. and then I flew on to Pleiku which is up in the northern part of Vietnam. And how close and, to the DMZ was that? Oh, I don't know how many miles, but it was probably, uh, I don't know how many miles. Not it, far? It was, was it pretty probably close? A two-thirds of the way th- from Vin, from Hanoi oh, okay. to, or from uh, Saigon to okay. Da Nang, you know, somewhere that Sandy. So you're in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Where's the... Where's, what's the f- most interesting first thing that happens? To you? <laughs> well, 
I had to shoot my first person, the seventh les in country. I'm sorry about that. You know, and it carried on all the way. Uh, I was I was in the first and fourteenth Fourth Infantry Golden Dragons, and we done a lot of sick combat assaults. We called them CAs, and we'd jump out of the choppers and secure areas and get uh, rescue people, go in and get get different people. Uh, I rescued a lot of people, and we lost a lot of lives, you know, and I rock, rescued the Rock Marines, the Korean Marines one time. Uh, and We would go in and secure a place to build a new base, you know, and set up a perimeter and get it secured for the they could come in and start building a base there. And then a bunch of, bunch of them. And then we had other things that, you know, we'd have fairly often, we'd have to go in and get somebody who's in trouble out, help them get out, you know. And, and it was just a repetition of not, we weren't doing the same job all the time, you know, we'd be, uh, well, I'd go anywhere, you know, yeah. just wherever was needed. So yeah. when you said you'd clear an area to set up a base, you got uh, what does that entail? Depends on what's there when you get there, you know. I mean, sometimes it's a lot of fighting, and sometimes it's just getting the security set up to where you can bring the uh, the other choppers and stuff in, and the artillery, and mm-hmm. you know, and they start bringing. They bring the artillery in and the troops in, you know, and, and they just keep adding to it until they have a secure base. And then usually uh, we were ju- we were just basically involved in the initial starting of it, you know, and the time mm-hmm. the, they started bringing the artillery and things in, about the time we was usually going someplace else, you know, because yeah. they'd bring in the, uh, a command that, was going to be based there, you know, and so they'd kind of take over the security that we had, mm-hmm. and then we'd be off to another designation. So I was, I was on the move about all the time I was there. I'll bet. Now you mentioned rescuing people. Uh, you had mentioned something about a. There was about I think you had mentioned eighteen people you got out of a bad situation. How, how did? How did that transpire? What happened there? They'd get they got wiped out, uh, <clears throat> and we went in to get them out, and we about got wiped out. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> you know, sometimes happens. That, that's sad. we uh, we fought. Uh, I think it was three days and three nights. We didn't have any more medics. We didn't have any more officers. Uh, we had all the best security in the world. I mean, you know, we had Puff Drag, the Magic Dragon flying around us every hour and mm-hmm. artillery and airstrikes and 16 inches from the sea. And uh, it was calling in everything we could get. <laughs> then was hoping for more, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, anyway, it got to where uh, it looked like it was going to be fruitless. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, 
And so they called us and told us they was going to drop this gas mask and they was going to gas us and to put the gas mask on and try to go out in an orderly manner. And if we hit any resistance, then practice escape and evasion. You would be on our own. Mm. And they said, you know, good luck. God bless you. And God did bless us. We all walked out of there and didn't even fire a shot. <laughs> I would say that's a so, blessing. So it doesn't get any better than that, yeah. you know. But, you know, it was a bad, op- you know, that was a, that was a rough operation. But we went on a lot of rough operations. I served with the best of the best. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm regret, you know, the lo- losses of the lives that we lost, you know, I mean, as dear friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things, you know, uh, all of them wasn't dead to me, you know. We was uh, taken over a hill and called in an airstrike, and new pilot dropped his bomb a uh, hundredth of a second too quick, and it made about a clicks difference, thousand meters difference. Uh, anyway, it hit right in the middle of us, and yeah. lucky for me and my lieutenant was leaning against a big rock calling in the mission and uh it killed everybody but us you know i got a little bit of rock shrapnel from being on the rock and back of my neck you know and it it ended up getting but turning into jungle rot and so i've got a little knot on my neck but but, you know it's just you know those saying war's hell uh it is and but it has to be done, you know, for for freedom. Uh, you know, we take freedom for granted, you know. And I know a lot of the people over there that was helping and things like that, you know, was you know, it'd break your heart, you know, the way they had to live and the cruelties that they go through, mm-hmm. you know. And so I don't I don't regret anything I've done. Uh, you know, I wished I could have done more, but I think I think most veterans would feel the same way you do. Is that they don't want to have to take a life? Um, yeah, they don't no. want to lose their friends. No, I have no idea how many people I killed. Yeah. You know, and that's good. <laughs> I, I, if it's a memory, it's a memory I wouldn't want to carry. So, well, it's, it's not something you look forward to. No, but you know, it's just part of it. You know, but uh, anyway, we'll. You know, I don't know, it seemed like, of course, I was, I was the older one there. You know, I was 22, but then, you know, most, the rest of them was 18 and 19. Oh, you know? wow. And so, you know, it got hard, got a little hard on me because I'd get attached to them and everything like that, and then they'd get killed, you know, or blew up, you know, hurt bad. Mm. You know, and they, I don't know why they felt safer around me, but they wanted to be next to me, you know, and. Well, you're still here, and you seem like you got a good luck charm being the Lord and Savior I'm on your shoulder. Blessed, I'm sure blessed, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, so what got you out of the military? When did you leave the military and why? Well, I got malaria. We made a, we uh, <laughs> secured Wait, you malaria. you got malaria. 
That's what got you out of the military? Valeria saved my life, I think. <laughs> I, I can think of a lot of people who've had Valeria that didn't quite think that way. But Well, I'm afraid it did because they said, uh, well, they sent a whole company of us. Says, uh, I think it's 118 of us. They said when North Vietnam was going to cut Vietnam in half there at the Cambodia-Laos border, they sent 118 up of us in there to stop them, mm. which kind of made it the pl- flight real quiet. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody. So they knew what was on the other end of that flight. We yeah. do. Yeah. 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 We was informed, you know, and we, uh, we knew what was heading for, but the numbers sounded so unrealistic, you know, that, you know, you just can't, couldn't keep from having bad thoughts, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, it's a triple canopy jungle there, and so that put the odds back in our favor. That doesn't sound right, mm-hmm. but at I, least I, for a while, you know, because we had to have a B-52 bomb strike to just clear a place to land the choppers, you know. Wait, B-52 bomber, how, how big of a bomb is that? Well, it was, I don't know how many, it was... Uh, I think thousand pound bombs, but I don't know how many there was. Arc light. It's uh, we had to stop about fifteen, about fifteen miles before we got there, and just sat there till the air blast came out, and then we had to sit there till it came back in because it'd tear the choppers out of there, you know. And Wait, so this was just a mission, or was this part of a bigger? Uh, a bigger... It was a mission for us. Yeah, I mean, it was they was going to build a fire base there. Or they did build a fire base there. Yeah. I didn't ever get to see it, but they built it. And well, was it part of a bigger initiative? That that what you were doing? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh we got that. Of course, you know, we 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 were educated, we knew that there wouldn't be anything alive, you know, so we knew we wasn't gonna get shot at when we first got there. You know, because that B-52 bomb strike kills everybody within a, probably a mile and a half because it uses up all the oxygen, you yeah. know. And so uh, we got set up and everything like that. And then that night, that's kind of when I I thought I was just scared because I started shaking, you know, on probably about 10 o'clock. You know, we could hear them talking and see learning through the trees, you know, the woods and stuff like that but wasn't worried i knew they couldn't get to us because you know you just about have to go by trail or chop your way through the triple canopy jungles you know and so but boy i just started shaking and i was still shaking the next morning doc kirkledy he said hey smith what's wrong with you and i said i guess i'm scared to death doc <laughs> he said well, let me check your temperature he was 105.4. It <laughs> ain't supposed you, to be that he high. Said, <laughs> he says, you've got malaria. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, it was about five or six days before they could get me out of there. And he kept, he took it. Wait, five or six days? Yeah. And you're dealing with that kind of a fever. Did yeah. it break at all during that time? or he He's, he's giving me, st- you know, he's treating me the best he could. Mm-hmm. Of course, he didn't have all the stuff that he needed probably, but. But anyway, I made it, you know, finally Colonel, he got in there with the chopper and he took me out with me and took me to 71st evacuation, I think it was, and hospital. And 
I was there for oh a little over two weeks, I guess. Then I started. We call it hitchhiking back. You know, mm-hmm. I just go from one Greenboro base to the next one. You know, until I got back with my group. You know, and let's see. Uh, the first or second Special Force base I went to uh, got mortared the first night. And I got hit with, a, I think, it was seven pieces of shrapnel and white fo- two pieces of white phosphorus. Mm. And so then I couldn't, I couldn't tie, tighten, excuse me, tighten my shoe boots, and so I couldn't go in it, couldn't go on. And so I just, I was just hanging around the base, you know, and and uh, anyway, well, I was just walking around out there at the base, and a chopper landed out there in front of me, and mm-hmm. a colonel jumped out and motioned me to go come over there, and so I went over and he asked me if I was ready to go home, and I I asked him, I said, you kidding me, sir? <laughs> he told me he didn't kid about anything. Yeah. I know we've been talking a lot, so I don't want you to go dry. Thank you. Yeah. And so, anyway, I didn't pick up a rifle or didn't get my gear. He said, if I want to go home, get in the chopper. And I got the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> so he flew me to another, another Space Force base, and then uh Got on a 130, and they took me on in. Two days, I was back in the United States. How'd that feel? Felt real good. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Felt real good. I, I'm, I'm lucky. I've, I made it because I, I had to identify my last two teammates. Man, I had to identify them in the rubber bags, you know. So I'd have been with them. And that was on the last mission you went on. That, that was, was the, the last day I was there. Last day. Yeah, that's uh, that's something they don't talk about a lot in uh, well, when you see the armed forces video. You know, it's not it's not a pleasant that's not right. a pleasant thing. You know, I mean, it wasn't it was more than two bags there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, these stories are important you know. because nowadays, with the hyper influence of um, of media in wartime and the and the and the stories that are told almost instantly of what's going on and the pictures and the things that come out. Um, back when the Vietnam War was going on, we didn't have that. You had you had newsmen there, but they were taking general pictures, and most of that was filtered through the government, and they wouldn't allow you know, certain things to be filmed and done. And it was an instant response. And so yeah. what you lived through... <laughs> seeing everything in color as that song says you know it's that's uh that's quite a that's quite an experience that i think most people would appreciate having but not going through well you know i had i did you know it's you don't ever know when you're going into the military what you're going to do but i can i can say this for the american people uh they need to be proud of their soldiers because they do a marvelous job. Yeah. And, That's... you know, they're selfless. I mean, when they're out there, you know, they've got your back, you've got their back, and you're a, you're a team, and it's almost like you're a team of brothers. I mean, they're your family. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's like that everywhere you go, you know, I mean, uh, of course, we all, we all depend on each other, mm-hmm. you know, in the military, you know, I mean, I called in airstrikes, I called in artillery, you know, I mean, <clears throat> anytime I needed help, there's somebody there to help me. Yeah. You know, as a that's, team. Everybody fe- has their place, and that's the that's the part. You know, and that feels good. You were good, in a tough spot, you know. though. You know, we've got a our army and military. I'm not. I'm saying army. We used it. <laughs> Those planes was probably Air Force. You know, I used Navy. I called in some sixteen inchers. You know, I tried to use everything I could. <laughs> wow. You know, and I got back. I mean, you know, I hate it that none of my buddies did, but. Uh, it's just, uh, like I said, if I hadn't got malaria, I probably wouldn't have got back. Well, now I understand why you were lucky to get malaria because I think that's just God puts these things in our way sometimes to keep us from harm, sometimes to maybe help us um, understand that that's not, that's not it for us. And, yeah. And well, it definitely wasn't it for you. So after you got out of the, out of the Army or after you came back from the war— what then did you uh I went, you do? I just I went to work, you know. I went back to of course I, I was back at Winniewood as uh building a bridge there and so I'd worked uh as general superintendent, I'd worked with him some in construction uh before I got drafted and everything, so he wanted me to be superintendent of that job. And so I Worked there, and then I went and got uh, worked on the Arbuckle Dam some for Arbuckle Lake. And then uh, where's Arbuckle Lake? It's out of uh, between Davis and uh, Sulphur, Arbuckle Mountains. Mm-hmm. Which and, I'm still unfamiliar. What, what, yeah. What's the Arbuckle Mountains? Uh, it's central, south central Oklahoma. Okay. Still you Oklahoma, know, great. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. still Oklahoma. And uh, anyway, so then I went to Arkansas and went to work on the locks and dams, and that's what I was doing when I got drafted. And then the rest was military. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of the military, you know, I doesn't... Uh, Locks of dams and and stuff, and then I went in business for myself. And business for yourself—that's a little adventurous. What uh, what did you start with? What was your first business? I filling station. Me and my one of my brother-in-laws, we had worked. And we put our money together and bought a filling station. Done pretty good on that, and then uh, he ended up dying of uh, got. Uh, hepatitis and passed away at 22 oh. you at know. what age yeah 22 you, know, you said yeah just a, a big strong you know healthy guy you know oh, just man. wonderful person you know and and anyway so then i'd worked uh i'd worked it for man when i was in high school some and anyway, so <clears throat> end up going to work for him and end up 
we went and parted the ship, and then I bought a drive-in theater. Oh, I loved those. You know, and then I bought a skate rink next next to it. A skating and, rink? Really? Yeah. Awesome. Then I went in car wash business, and I just, I don't know, I just from getting a business, and I'd kind of run it until I thought I had my Ph.D. in it, and mm -hmm. then I'd kind of get interested in something else. Yeah. So I guess I was a kind of a gypsy businessman. You know, it, it's all right. You, we get, just, you get bored with stuff quickly, and then we on to the next. We just sold, our, I think, what was our 34th business. Wait, know. 34 businesses? Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> that's, you know, that's kind of awesome in itself. I mean, 34 businesses. I, I mean, I know a lot of you've heard of the stories, these these really uh, kind of uh, enigmatic people, like you, know, you hear about Elon Musk owning all this stuff. And doing it. Yeah. But 34 businesses is not common. That, that's <laughs> not. And were they all were they all pretty successful, or did you have any ones that were kind of, well, probably shouldn't have done that? Anything you could think of where you're like, I wish I'd never opened that business? I had a couple. I had, let's see. You're thinking awfully hard, so it must not have been too many that were failures, you know. Well, I had some better than others. So, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's just say I that. Some that. You know, it wasn't as good as I'd like for it to be, but mm -hmm. it, you know. Uh, it, it was still an experience of knowledge, you know, so I mean, it was, yeah. but it was just a step, another stepping stone, you know, and that's all any of it is to education and life, you know. I think Farmer's Daughter Market's our last one, my last one, you know. And I heard that was a fantastic restaurant in it, Shawnee. It was. Was it Shawnee, Oklahoma, or right outside of Tecumseh, Shawnee? Actually, it's a little Tecumseh. town right next to Shawnee. They're just Main Street's four miles apart, so. You can give it a plug <laughs> if you want. Anyone uh -huh. ever go by to visit. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the name of that again? Farmer's Daughter's Restaurant. Farmer's right? Daughter's Market. Market. Comes Oklahoma. Wow. And we have Benson Park Pecans there also. It was a, Benson Park was an old amusement park back about statehood. And mm -hmm. It closed during the Depression. It had grown up since uh, I bought it. It was just a jungle, you know, and that's where mm -hmm. our home is now. And we have Did a Did you plant business. all the pecan trees? Big pardon? Did you plant all the pecan trees? No, I planted a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I went in and cleared it out and left the bigger pecan trees and everything. Then I went in and put them in spacings, you know. What's planted. your biggest pecan tree? Huh? What's your biggest, oldest pecan tree? Well, it's we call it the grandpa tree. I don't remember what the diameter of it was, but it's approximately 550 years old. And oh, I my. Can't, I've got a 58-inch a shaker. Yeah, and I can't I can't shake it anymore. So, uh, but it will. It's kind of neat because USDA they finally decided that there's some reason these giants were still still there. Yeah, and so few and far between, you know. And so they had me to measure the diameter of it and four foot up and get some graft wood off of it and some nuts off of it and take pictures of it. Mm -hmm. And so they've. They've set a plot that's College Station, and they're duplicating the tree. You see, they so so they, now the tree will live on for infinity. 
Wow. It's kind of like a starter in bread making or I've recently been made. It yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so, but you know, there is a reason that, you know, it stands out and it's lived so long that, that mm -hmm. it needs to be saved, you know, if it can be And there. We have the technology and the knowledge to duplicate a tree, you know, by grafting and budding. Yeah. And Sounds like you know a lot about that. Did you get involved in agriculture and and yes i uh, i actually developed a new grafting system uh called it's american inlay bar gra bark graft mm -hmm. uh oh probably 25 years ago or something like that and i taught it at osu and the noble foundation for 10 years i gave them the rights to it you know i didn't yeah. patent it i give the and uh just as a hobby you just decided to do that too so well, you got a lot of your jack of all trades well you know it's just uh i was going to graft i was going to graft some bunch of trees you know and i, I didn't like the old method of grafting you know mm -hmm. i thought man this is going to take me forever you know <laughs> and you know i just I wonder if I, if I do this this and this you know next thing i knew i'd grafted 40 acres like that and it worked so there you go. <laughs> you know? Proofs in the pudding. So the, re so the rest is history, you know. Yeah. I helped a lot of pecan people, you know, because it, it's it's a good good graft. It's a lot easier and better. Yeah. You know, so it'll it'll carry on for years. Of course, it'll get tweaked, too, you know. It'll be some, yeah. someone else think of something, you well, know. But. That's that sounds like you were quite, you're still quite the entrepreneur. Uh yeah. Uh, in fact, I think, I think you you even had. You, I remember you mentioned you had a stint in gold mining. You yeah. Had, yeah, I did a little of that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what haven't you done? Huh? What ha What's left on the bucket list? <laughs> There's a lot of things I haven't done. I've okay. just done a very few. You know, Any, anything uh, you're still wishing? You're like, you know, I think I'll start this up. I'm 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 going to just keep my wishing to myself. <laughs> I'm not planning on doing any any more businesses. <laughs> so, so these businesses, everything in your life, um, sounds like the um, uh, sounds like the military was important was an important position in your life. How did that? And this will be our last question. But you know, how how did that shape you um, uh, with how you kind of relate to things today? How did it shape you in the way you are today? You know, uh, it makes you appreciate your country. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not all red, white, and blue. You know, I mean, it's there's tragedies, mm -hmm. you know, in this country, but there's all the opportunity in the world. You know, and uh, people have, you know, they can use their imagination. They can use their dream. You know, I mean, and if you work hard and believe in it and everything like that, you know, I mean, gosh, look at look how many discoveries and patents come out every year from yeah. just Americans thinking of something and saying, I'm going to try that, you know. And so, you know, my advice to every American in the world, if you, if you think of something that you think this is this will work try it mm -hmm. you know it may work <laughs> well and it may not you know but there's a, there's a lot of works along with the work dots 
Yeah, you know, and so. America gives us that unique opportunity, uh, the liberty it, we have here. It is, and I mean, you know, we forget that sometimes, you know, because, you, know, you know, right now I think we're in a pretty rough spot, you know, but I mean, the American spirit's still there, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, the American opportunity's still here, you know, and as long as we have the the freedom to dream and the freedom to work, you know, we've got the world by the tail. Freedom ain't free, though. Freedom. You know, you know, you can't, you just can't beat it. No, and our military yeah. helps us keep it. Yeah. And as much as as much as we'd like to never fire a shot, the fact that we can and defend this great country um, relies yeah. on people like you. Yeah. Um, every military um, family um, that's left behind yeah. relies on everybody. Yeah. And it's 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 a really it's a a big honor to have you share some stories with me. Do you have any last? Uh, story you missed maybe that we could well i wouldn't mind plugging the va a little bit go uh, ahead i was i was pretty stupid in a lot of ways you know because when i got out and i don't know i couldn't stand it i couldn't stand uh take my disability you know i i'd been put in some medals that I was supposed to stay in longer because I was going to have to have a parade to present them. And anyway, so I waived all of them. Keep going. Sorry. And uh, anyway, so I didn't, I didn't do anything. Uh, I didn't turn everything down for 25 years and the VA contacted me and told me I need to get back in touch with the VA and I did and I went ahead and I ended up going ahead and taking my disability you know and uh, been using the VA hospital and, and stuff like that and uh, I probably should have probably should have done it all along yeah you know but uh you think people are reluctant to use the benefits they're giving to them some are i guess i was yeah you know but is that pride I, is that just you don't want to rely on someone else what is that what, i didn't want it? to take anything from the guys over there yeah you know as what my feelings was i mean all my buddies was dead, but there's still a lot of guys over there, and I wanted them to have every penny that they could get. I wasn't going to take a penny of it. And I didn't feel like a, I, I, I didn't want any medals, you know. Right. And, and so. But you, but you earn them as a recognition, and that recognition isn't just for you. That's for all the people around you well, to know. Well, that, you went above and beyond. That's true. Uh, I went ahead and I went ahead and accepted it, and I took my disability. I'm 100 percent disabled, you know, and they take great care of me. I'm 78 years old now, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, it's kind of nice to know that I have that security and I have the best hospital. They've got the VA's got the best hospital system in the country that I know of now. Did they always have it that way? Or no, it, it some start with it was 
needed a little bit of work, <laughs> quite a bit of work. But yeah, but they it's I can't uh, I can't say enough about it now. Uh, it's it, I'm a hundred percent satisfied with the VA. I mean, there's sometimes you have to wait a little bit on something because, but we've got mm-hmm. a lot of veterans. Yeah, you know, so I'm, I don't mind waiting a little bit, but but they usually just you know they're just fantastic you know so well that's a good that's a good I'll parting give, i give them an a plus you now. give them an a plus awesome yeah that's great. give them a beer so but hey why not why not well i want to say thank you to everyone who's uh watched friends family uh people we don't know has heard jim's jim smith's stories uh and they aren't just stories there is his uh uh, experiences in life and as he's navigated being a veteran and is still uh, a part of this sounds like his heart is still with the armed services and he is uh, got a love for this nation that uh, I I can't imagine uh, anyone else has any stronger love for this this United States of America so thanks again Jim and uh, you're welcome that's it for today thank you thank you